0: Coming up on Philosophy Talk. The modern world puts us to sleep. How can we wake ourselves up? Walter Benjamin, re-enchanting the world.
1: Benjamin's right. Modernity is terrible, the world is disenchanted, art has lost its magic, and we're all sleepwalking through life. But there are new forms of enchantment. Art is for everyone,
0: and we can shock ourselves awake. Benjamin said that too. So will the real Benjamin please stand up?
2: I wonder if enjoyment of the world of
0: images is not fed by a somber defiance of knowledge. Our guest is Margaret Cohen, author of Profane Illumination Walter Benjamin and the Paris of Surrealist Revolution. Walter Benjamin and the Reenchanted World. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. of capitalism and technology has the world lost its magic are we all just sleepwalking through life can art wake us up and re-enchant the world welcome to philosophy talk the program that questions everything except your intelligence i'm josh landy
1: and I'm Ray Briggs. We're coming to you from our respective shelters in place via the studios of KALW San Francisco.
0: Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus, where Ray teaches philosophy and I direct the Philosophy and Literature Initiative.
1: Today, we're thinking about Walter Benjamin
0: and the reenchantment of the world. Ah, oh, that guy was so interesting. German Jewish thinker from the early 20th century, died tragically. Fascinating ideas about Marxism,
1: modernity, mysticism. And I really like his ideas about disenchantment. He showed us how bleak life has become in the modern world. Corporate greed, consumerism, capitalism.
0: Ah, oh, you're such a pessimist, Ray. I mean, modernity's also given us democracy. Literacy across the globe. Longer, healthier lives.
1: (laughs) Okay, fine, Josh. So we live a little bit longer. We read a little bit more and we get to vote. Big deal. Democracy is just an illusion that makes us think we have some say in how things go. Our long lives are full of alienation and futility. We're all just cogs in the capitalist machine. I don't know. I'm not sure we're totally
0: hopeless. Think about civil rights, Black Lives Matter, the Me Too movement, gay marriage. Sometimes things actually change. And, and you know what, Ray? I think modern technology actually
1: helped that to happen. Uh, I suppose it's better than nothing. But all of that just seems like rearranging the deck chairs on the capitalist Titanic. Capitalist Titanic? What are you talking about? Okay, sure. Social progress is good, but the planet is dying thanks to that technology that you're so excited about. And the profits aren't even going to the people. They're going to the richest 1%. That's what modernity is really about.
0: Ah, oh, come on, right? I mean, there's always been inequality and exploitation. Would you rather live in the feudal age or, or maybe the state of nature? I don't think things are worse today than they were back
1: then. <laughs> you're saying they're better?
0: Well, at least we have modern art.
1: Oh, modern art? How is that supposed to solve the problem of modern life? Well, uh, that's actually one of Benjamin's coolest
0: ideas. He thought some forms of modern art, like surrealism, can actually reinterpret the world. They can help us see everyday life as full of mystery and wonder, even the most mundane
1: things, like a bowler hat, a pipe, or a clock. Yeah, I like the kind of art that feeds the resistance. Art that's unsettling and jarring and, and shocks us out of our complacency.
0: But Benjamin says art does that too, at least the modern kind. I mean, you, you can't be a sleepwalker if you're listening to Philip Glass all day.
1: Okay, fine. At least this Titanic has avant-garde deck chairs. Too bad you can't actually sit on them. <laughs> well, well,
0: it sounds like we need to learn more about Benjamin. So, we sent our roving philosophical reporter, Holly J. McDeed, to do just that. She files this report.
2: In an effort to understand the life of Walter Benjamin, I searched for movies about him that any plebe could understand. But instead of a Hollywood biopic, I found not one, but two operas about this doomed philosopher's life. One is called Benjamin. Another is Shadow Time.
3: Is it
1: possible to forget without remembering that one has forgotten?
2: I listened through it, but still can only describe the plot because there are summaries online. Not because I understand it. It seems all over the place. Like in one scene, Benjamin is interrogated by masked figures. Karl Marx and Groucho Marx taunt him about the nature of memory. Joan of Arc worries about the fate of history, and Albert Einstein asks, what time is it now? What time is it? It's trippy, surreal, and dizzying, not unlike Benjamin himself.
3: He's really a, really a strange kettle of fish.
2: Howard Island teaches literature at MIT and has been working on Benjamin since the 1980s. He says Benjamin is an eclectic and, yes, difficult writer
3: so difficult to translate. Um, I mean, certain sentences just had me mind-boggled for, for days on end.
2: And his life was also difficult, though it wasn't always that way. Benjamin was born in 1892 into a prosperous German-Jewish family in Berlin. His dad was a well-to-do antique dealer who passed a zeal for bookstores and collecting onto his son. Then, after World War I, Germany went into a depression.
3: His father put his foot down and said, Walter, You got to get a job, and he suggested getting a job in a bank, which showed how little he knew his son.
2: Benjamin instead went on a quest to get a job in academia. But, Eiland says, his dissertation at the University of Frankfurt was rejected because it was considered too complicated.
3: And when that failed in 1925, he then turned to uh, the world of journalism. And I think that was a decisive moment in his life because it enabled him to write about a whole range of things.
2: In 1927, Benjamin went to Moscow for two months to visit a girlfriend. This was after Lenin had died.
3: And there was an extraordinary sense of experiment going on in in Moscow, and it was quite an experience for him.
2: He eventually returned to Germany, but was forced to leave when the Nazis came to power in 1933. He went to the island of Ibiza, another decisive moment in his life.
3: There he experienced a, a kind of rebirth of physical life. And he wrote a whole series of articles uh, about what he called the mimetic capacity, the capacity that he thinks most of us have lost, a capacity to imitate things, to imitate the motions of animals, to imitate the motions of the stars.
2: Benjamin is constantly drawn to what has disappeared or is at the brink of disappearing, says writer and editor Adam Kirsch. For Benjamin and many Jewish intellectuals at the time, the world was filled with despair.
1: He had seen fascism take over Germany, uh, which had once been thought of as the most enlightened country in Europe and and specifically the best country for Jews in Europe. Um, And he, like many other people, saw democracy and capitalism as on the road to failure.
2: In 1935, Benjamin wrote The Work of Art in the Age of Mechanical Reproduction, a critique of capitalism and one of his most well-known pieces.
1: Where he talks about how the sort of transformation of the way people consume art from individual objects that have a sort of magical status like a painting to mass media like newspapers and magazines and uh, movies and radio.
2: Benjamin spent the last years of his life in France. When Germany invaded in 1940, he was one of millions of people trying to escape. He reached the border between Spain and France, but the border was closed. And in his despair, he overdosed on morphine.
1: And then as it turned out, the next day, the border was reopened and the other people in his group managed to cross over. Um, He didn't, he had despaired at the wrong moment.
2: A few months before he died, Benjamin wrote theses on the philosophy of history, his final work. In this essay, he writes,
0: There is no document of civilization which is not at the same time a document of barbarism.
2: And in some ways, his life is that document. But as Benjamin also says, The
0: past can be seen only as an image which flashes up at the instant when it can be recognized and is never seen again.
2: For Philosophy Talk, I'm Holly J. McDeed.
0: Want to hear more? You can find the complete episode on iTunes Music, or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.